Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a new episode of the favorite podcast that you listen to <laughs> that is specifically about the nanny. The show from the TV <laughs> starring Fran Drescher. I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield, and I love that you described it as the favorite podcast. <laughs> the favorite podcast. We are here to talk about season four, episode four, The Rosie Show. This is the one where Fran meets Rosie O'Donnell back in her in her daytime talk show hosting days. Yeah, well, I should say this is the time she meets Rosie O'Donnell as Rosie O'Donnell because she did meet Rosie O'Donnell playing a cab driver true. a few episodes ago. True, very true. She did. Um, but this time we get classic 90s Rosie O'Donnell. I had forgotten that this show really even existed until the opening of this episode and she was shooting the rubber bands and I (laughs) I had this like flood of memories. I was like, oh yeah. Well, okay. And here's the thing. For anybody who's maybe a little younger or maybe lives out of the United States, um, you know, Rosie O'Donnell now um, is sort of, she has a different reputation than she had for like almost all of the nineties. Um, she, you know, after her daytime talk show, uh, she ended up being a host on the view. There was a lot of, which is like another, like, um, it's like a group talk show that talks about like current event issues. Um, and there's a lot of heat, you know, there's drama. Um, she kind of became, like I think a little on the outs in terms of the industry, in terms mm-hmm. of being considered difficult to work with. Like there's this whole other thing. But back then, like during this time, she was like like America's sweetheart in her in her own way. Like yeah. pe- there was talking Rosie Rosie dolls. She was in children's TV shows and kids' movies. She used to host the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, which was like, if you were a kid, was just like the biggest event of the year. She was so beloved. She was. Um, she was also notably, I feel like, one of the first like out lesbians on daytime television. So like, no, was- she, I looked this up. So the show ran from 96 to 2002, which mm-hmm. I did not realize it ran for so long. She came out after. Oh, like very, okay. very, very shortly after. It was almost like she was just like waiting to kind of... Um, you know, like share her real authentic um, self, self. like almost. Yeah. So yeah, that was the other thing is during this time, you know, nobody knew um, much about her personal life. Um, But so when when she came out, you know, I think it was also probably a hit to her career in that it was just a different time and that kind of thing truly kind of like it, it could it could really negatively affect a uh, career in the entertainment industry to be openly out at that time. Um, So it was a very brave thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But here we get her in like her prime, really. So Uh we we open, this episode opens with the Rosie show. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they did an episode of the Rosie. I was, I was very curious. Did they get Hugh Grant on Ellen or did they use footage from the Rosie show of Hugh Grant and then cut into the Rosie stuff after we get Hugh gone. Grant on Ellen. What do you mean? I mean, on sorry, do we get Hugh Grant on the nanny? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had a stroke. Oh, you just got lesbians on the brain. I did. I did. I because well, I was, I, I, my head brain had shifted to like, oh, I guess Ellen was the first daytime talk show host that was like an out lesbian, which is pretty, yeah, cool. yeah, for sure. But, um, but yeah, um, so but yeah, I looked so, into so, this. What do you think? Okay, so I actually looked into this. So I'm gonna just preface this whole episode with. Um, this whole episode of our show with the fact that there's going to be so much trivia coming at you 
because this is a jam packed episode with so many cultural references. So, you know, just, just going to be our first three hour episode. I'll try to make it brief, but basically, so, um, we, we start off with Fran, Val and little Gracie going to, uh, a taping of the Rosie show. And they're like very excited. And while they're sitting in the audience, uh, Rosie's guest is actor Hugh Grant. So he really did appear, he's credited on the nanny um, as himself. So it wasn't like, oh, he went, but it's not like he went on the Rosie show and then they just kind of doubled this uh, footage. That's crazy. And I looked into it. It's not, it's not quite as crazy as you think. So if you go to Hugh Grant's IMDb, he basically did nothing from like 1996 to 1999 because I'm assuming this is me speculating. His big sex worker scandal broke end of 95. Ah. I don't, I think he was kind of persona non grata for a yeah. couple years. Yeah. And then he made his big return to the limelight in 1999's Notting Hill and everything was forgiven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, he basically like had a credit on the nanny and like one other minor thing in like a three year period. Wow. So he's probably pretty easy to get. They were like, hey, do you want to come be on this show? He was like, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> a rehabilitation, please. Yeah, uh, so anyway, so uh, while uh, Fran and everyone is in the audience, Rosie O'Donnell makes some comment like, oh, you know, my son, he, you know, he's not going down for his nap. And Fran yells out, oh, have him watch C-SPAN. It'll put him right to sleep. And she's saying it as like a real suggestion. And so Rosie, I guess, like tells her assistant to do that. And sure enough, within like two minutes, she's told that her uh, little baby son is sleeping. Yes. So, you know, this kind not, of causes- not to, Ro- mention, not to mention that Rosie sort of, like Fran yells this out and then Rosie on air kind of like kibitzes. She like goes into the audience and she chats with Fran and Fran is being like, you know, Fran. She's being very charming and funny and she's cracking jokes. She hangs very well with Rosie, mm-hmm. uh, which, which, which results in Rosie being like, Hey, come see me in my dressing room after the show. Um, yeah. In a non creepy way, <laughs> which can sound creepy. Um, and so, yeah, then we cut to Fran and Val and Gracie in the dressing room and Rosie O'Donnell's basically like, Hey, like, uh, I talked to my producers. We would love it if you did a weekly segment on parenting. And Fran's like, oh, my God, yes, of course. But so then they go back to the mansion. And at first, Fran's like, oh, I'm really nervous about telling Mr. Sheffield this. I, You know, I, I don't I like want this. to. This bit was really funny. Yeah. And so it's like in her mind, she kind of wants to wait and figure out how to break the news to him. But she opens the door. Literally, Mal has told everybody Fran knows. So there's already this huge surprise party where everyone's like, congratulations. And Fran's at first super anxious because she's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, Mr. Sheffield is going to find out because Mr. Sheffield's not home. Um, But then when he comes home and hears the news, or I guess he actually already knew the news through Niles, who's a little gossip. Um, he's not mad at all. Um, he, and she's like, oh, Mr. Sheffield, I have to admit, you're taking this, you know, much better than I thought you would. I did. I did really like the transition here where everyone's like, yay, congratulations. And then she's like, oh, what what if Maxwell finds out this way? And then he walks in right behind her and she immediately goes, happy birthday. (laughs) And everyone starts singing it. And I really found like so much joy in the everyone immediately backing her up and like falling into singing the song to him. I thought that was very, very, very funny. Very cute. Because they all uh, knew he might be enraged. They um, all cover for her. It's such a lovely moment. I, yes. I've said this before. I really enjoy when everyone is working together on this show. It's, it's yes. a very nice 
moments. Well, but so as it happens, Mr. Sheffield's actually not faced by this at all. He's like, oh no, I'm so happy for you. Like, congratulations. And she's like, you know, you're being a lot more supportive than I, than I thought you'd be. And he's like, well, we're friends, right? And friends support each other. And it's very clear that his new angle about the whole saying I love you to her and taking it back is really just trying to emphasize that like, they're just friends, but that's actually for the better. And you know, this is going to be great. So he kind of has an angle in being so cool with that. I like find an it, ulterior motive. I find it really interesting too, that they're really, they're playing with like, um, ongoing storytelling this season much more than they ever have and what's really funny about it is they do this thing in this right in this scene in this episode where she's like talking about their they have fran and 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 maxwell have taken to referring to their thing on the plane in france as the thing um and there's this funny bit where they throw they like pause the scene and throw a definition up on the screen that says like the thing is blah 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 blah. and it like serves as like a recap and i think it's really interesting how like they so clearly were desperate to be like well let's just tell a longer story but like clearly someone was like hey this is not what sitcoms do people are are expected that they're just going to randomly be watching this episodes in syndication. They're going to have no idea of like what the through line is here. And so they had to figure out like these like innovative ways to remind the audience of what had happened only three episodes ago, which seems so alien now to me. Well, I guess I, I don't know. I would argue that like, you know, uh, a show like friends always had ongoing plot lines. Like, you know, like, um, uh, Ross and Rachel or Phoebe, you know, having those triplets. Um, I just more thought it was a really creative way to do what other sitcoms do in just a more mundane way. And I even have the note where I was like, had I been flipping channels and I had just, this was the first episode of the nanny I had ever seen. I think I'd be like, oh, this is my new favorite show. Yeah. Um, because when you say the de- they, they pause, it's what it's like literally, it's like Fran says, like, well, you know, because of the thing, literally the uh, screen freezes. So it's like, you know, the director or, you know, like the footage freezes. And then it's like, ding. Yeah. And then like in sort of dictionary script across the screen, it's like the thing defined as like when Maxwell said he loved her and took it back. And I was like, oh, I, I loved it. it. It was very like innovative. And it's something that might have, as we've, I think, referenced on the show before, it's almost like a precursor to 30 Rock humor, you know? Yeah. Oh, but so that being said, so we established that, yes, Fran is now going to do this weekly segment. Mr. Sheffield is desperately trying to like put the thing behind them. And also we established that Niall still does not know what happened on the plane and does not know what the thing is. And it is like eating him alive. So much to the point, it appears that he has um, put a recording device in a vase in Mr. Sheffield's office. This is such a weird throwaway. I... I he says it, and it seems to heavily imply that there's a recording device in that office, but it, it never pays <laughs> off, and they never bring it up again. It's so well, weird. Well, maybe they didn't speak into the flowers, or, you know, maybe, you know, somebody, maybe Mr. Sheffield watered the plants, and then so the device, you know, there's, I thought it was very funny. I wasn't very, bothered by that. I wasn't um, bothered, but. 
Well, and then we cut to this montage of time passing and it's basically a Fran appearing on the Rosie show and her growing fan base. Like every week there's more people outside the studio who want her autograph. She's totally charming. She's like super hilarious whenever parents write in to ask her question. And um, the montage is set to there's no business like show business, which I loved. Uh, At the end of this montage, there's a shot of Fran and she's got a bob cut. What did you catch that? I just assumed that she was wearing wigs. Like I didn't get what that was. I I wasn't sure if it was like a reference. Was it like oh. supposed to be a reference to something? Because it was that that one shot was just it was very different from the rest of the montage. And I wasn't and it had like a very stylized. It was from like a low angle of her getting out of the. And I wasn't sure if it was like a reference to something or so interesting or I'm looking what it was. Up- you know, there's no business she, like she had the the bob cut, which I also thought was like such a you know for a woman who has such iconically big hair, it was very strange that there was just like one random shot of her wearing a bob cut in this montage. I thought that was. I mean, I'm looking at still from. I didn't find anything about it. I don't know. All right. Well, (laughs) listeners, if you know anything about why that shot was in there or if that triggers any memories of yours, let us know. We're very listeners. If you know anything, anything, we're putting out a call. If anyone knows anything about this, we beg you. Yeah, please. Beg, please let us finally rest. Uh, really tasteful joke, me pretending that this is like someone who's lost their daughter. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. But so we had this uh, really good montage. Um, and after the montage, we cut to Mr. Sheffield and Cece in um, Mr. Sheffield's office. And I just have the notes. Uh, Cece's hair is longer and it is really remarkable how much yeah. it softens her look. And then I wrote, never let me get a bob because <laughs> I go, I wrote, hey, if I ever say shot and Liz, I'm thinking of getting a bob. Promise you'll remind me of this moment. We'll tackle you to the ground. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, yes. Just um, beat me until... I am too scared to ever even consider it again. Um, but Cece so, looks great here. She does. And I really do think it's, I think her hair is is longer and she just yeah. really, you know, makes her look wonderful. Um, and the scene serves to basically establish that Maxwell misses Fran because she's so busy with the Rosie show, but is not willing to admit it. Like, admit that because like he thinks this is somehow buying him points as a friend it's and then it's it's helping him and it, yeah it is by, it's making it clear that it's better for her if they're friends and right. she should stop fixating on the i love you business because right. he he at least is the front of his brain wants it put behind them even if maybe yeah. his heart doesn't um and, and this scene also in the same beat this scene also is that reestablishes that like because he says like well there's a couple things we can forget and then there's like a she goes, no, we'll always have Paris. So like the, it also establishes that even though he wants it forgotten, she's still very much like entrenched. Oh in yeah. It. So the actual, yeah, the actual exchanges, you know, she comes in and she's like, Mr. Sheffield, I just want to say, you know, I feel really bad that I haven't been around, you know, nearly as much as usual because of, you know, the TV show. And um, she even has this great line where she's like, and I really feel guilty. And, you know, not just the usual low level hum that all Jews feel like really guilty, (laughs) which I related to. Um, And then he goes, oh, no, no, Miss Fine, you know just don't forget us when you're rich and famous. And then he's like, I mean, uh, although there are a few things we can forget. Um, and he's clearly implying the whole I love you thing. And that's when she's like, ah, well, nope, we'll always have Paris. 
which is a great line. Um, and this also has like a funny little B plot. Um, uh, so Cece at first tries to usher Fran out of the office as usual until she finds out that Fran is now getting a ton of lucrative spokesperson offers <laughs> and she instantly pivots to sucking up to her and yeah. offering to be her agent. And then when she finds out that Fran doesn't know what an agent usually gets, she instantly tells her 50%. <laughs> So this this um, episode made me realize that like if you were going to do a reboot of this show like now this you could basically remake this entire episode and just swap out like the whole Rosie of it all for for the nanny character becoming like an overnight influencer. Oh true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Like she she like does a thing, she posts something on like TikTok, like all of a sudden her thing blows up and now she Yeah, you know, be, she like, could like have an affair with Adam Levine. I'm, oh, oh boy. <laughs> Listeners, this will hopefully be old news by the time you hear this. Oh, God. I hope it's not still going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, we'll get to our hot takes about that later in our new segment called Celebrity Affairs. <laughs> no, um, but so uh, we cut to a few days later. And it's even more clear now that Fran is like extra absentee and she's kind of, you know, neglecting her responsibilities with the kids. Like she, she doesn't have time to read to Gracie. Um, Brighton comes home super. (laughs) (laughs) It's so so fucked up. So they established, so yeah. So they established like, Oh, there's like a whole bunch of stuff that she's just not doing, you know, that she normally would be doing for the kids. And one of those things is we established that she was supposed to go to Brighton school and I quote, sit on her teacher's desk and cross her legs to get him out of detention. <laughs> well, sit on his teacher, sit on his teacher's desk, yes, sit on his teacher's desk and then cross her legs. Like, and it's, <laughs> it's such a weird thing that like, a, she does this at all. And B that she does it frequently enough that Brighton's like, Oh man, I got detention. Cause you never went to school to sit on my teacher's desk and cross your legs. And it's like, what? I mean, Hey, he's nothing if not a savvy teen. It's so weird. You know, he's shrewd. He's, he's, he's smart in his own way. He's like, um, my teacher's a pervert and I can get out of detention. And she's like, Oh no, I forgot. I'm happy to help. But anyway, so, uh, you know, that's happening. And then, Mr. Shelfield walks in and hears this. And instead of, you know, giving Fran a hard time, he like doubles down. He's like, oh, children, you know, stop pestering Miss Fine. She's very busy. Um, And then the doorbell rings. And this is, I I just, I just almost shrieked, like in like pain and anguish and just shock. It's, It's Donald Trump, you know, and again, if we can just, you know, go into our little time machine to 30 years ago, uh, before the nightmare of the last, you know, five years, he was just sort of celebrity rich guy. Yeah. And he was really good at branding, as we all know. And so like the audience cheers and it's an unexpected cameo. And I just wrote, it sucks that I was having a delightful time watching this episode. And then I was suddenly fearful and depressed. <laughs> yeah, I had the same reaction where I was just like, oh, man, like, why? Why? And then like, he doesn't even do a good job and they barely yeah. give him anything to do. He and does then the a fine job, but it's just bit they give him. It's just like that bit could have been so much funnier if literally anyone else with any kind of talent had done it. You know what I mean? Like the bit's funny. His phone rings, he answers his phone in his pocket and he goes, I told you never call me on this phone. And then his other phone rings in his other breast pocket. And he goes, okay, this is a good phone to call me on. 
And it's just, he just like, he's, he's so stilted and awkward. And it's like, it's so weird. It's, it's just so weird that people were enamored with this guy as they were. Well, but it's like, you know, he Very was a weird. pioneer of branding. Like, didn't he, you know, he had he books was. out about, you know, that really were just sort of like, um, creating the, this was this was at the height of like the trump college days and trump yeah, state well, well he and, was great yeah. at creating a um you know like again a personal brand of yeah. i am a rich guy because and, and i can kind of teach you how to be rich too yep um and so anyway so she leaves with donald trump to go to some you know fancy dinner of who's who's and mr sheffield acts super happy for her but the second he walks out the door he loses it like he has actually clearly um been keeping all of his frustrations in about this um he's nowhere near as happy about it as he's been pretending to be um and then we actually cut to another evening presumably a week or two later and fran is off to some other fancy dinner um and when she leaves he even asks niles he's like niles if you really cared about somebody, but you were afraid you were going to lose them, you know, what would, what might you say to get them to stay? And he's so, he's so dumb that he doesn't think that, you know, Niles is clearly going to know that it's about Fran. Yeah. But anyway, Fran makes a joke and is, you know, like, Oh, sir, don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. And Mr. Sheffield, he says the meanest thing to him. He, he was does. Like, he was like, not you, you blithering idiot. <laughs> but I did laugh out loud. I did too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, then- and I like the response. The Niles response is good because then the doorbell rings and Niles just stands there blankly. And mm-hmm. and Mr. Sheffield's like, uh, are you going to get that? And he's like, oh, is that what that bell is? I didn't know because I'm a blithering idiot. And it's- Yeah, and he even goes, because I'm a blithering idiot. The relationship's adorable. Yeah, and then um, it's unexpectedly I, I was loving this episode like everyone makes an appearance in the best way sylvia and yetta come running in and they like throw their arms around mr sheffield and they're like oh my god thank god you're okay and he's yeah. like what's going on and they're like yetta you uh, know they're like bubby sophie and bubby is yiddish for grandma but they're like bubby sophie visited yetta in a dream and told her that you were going to have a horrible accident and <laughs> i freaking loved this joke Yetta goes, yeah. So in the dream, she told me that you come home, you kiss a brunette woman, and then you fall over an Ottoman. <laughs> and Sylvia goes, Ma, that's the opening of the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and then Yetta goes, no, it was right here. And look, here's Richie. And then Brighton walks in and she goes, and here's Richie. And then she looks in a mirror and go, and here's Millie. And the thing is, the actress who played Yetta played Millie in the Dick Van Dyke yeah. show. So it was like perfect. It was so perfect. It was what like- a weird meta moment too. And I don't know if you clocked um, for, uh, Sylvia's reaction when she, when she does that at the very end and she's like, Oh look, and she's right here. Is she like, kind of like, she kind of like 
she kind of like uh, looks at the camera and gives like a real big like eye roll, like oh boy, what a ham this one. It was also cute. I, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. It was just like the perfect um, like setup to so many things, and it and it didn't feel shoehorned in at all. No, like I, no. I knew. I guess I knew in the back of my head she was on the Dick Van Dyke show, but like I didn't. I still wasn't expecting it. Um, and though, so then. Mr. Sheffield gets an idea from this. He's like, wait a second. He's like, does everybody in your family believe in this, you know, Bubby Sophie nonsense? He doesn't say nonsense, but he's like in this Bubby Sophie sort of like um, premonitions. And they're like, well, yeah, anyone who knows what's good for them. So that leads him to hatch a plan where basically Fran comes home from her fancy dinner that night and he's in bed. And when he hears her coming down the hall, he literally starts like moaning as if he's having a horrible dream. So she hears him, goes into his bed and like wakes him up. And, and she's like, are you okay, Mr. Sheffield? And he's like, oh, he's like, I just, I just had the most terrible dream. Like you were there. And, and have you ever heard of a, a Bubby Sophie? And she's like, oh my gosh, like my Bubby Sophie visited you in your dream. And he's like, I, I guess so. And, and she's like, what happened? This is again another incredibly whimsical moment of this episode. Such a such a uh, a random like. <laughs> he, so instead of just him explaining the dream, we go to see the dream, and it is basically a musical homage to a scene from Fiddler on the Roof when Tevya has a dream where he's visited by like ghosts and it's you know of ancestors. A bizarre sequence, and it's like I mean, it's I like. I did not enjoy it, but I don't know. I felt it was a little more out of place maybe than you did, but I, I enjoyed it. So I, I can't really complain. <laughs> well, and in the dream, she, he was like, we were at a, you know, um, a party celebrating your success and everyone was so happy. And then we got to everyone looking so happy. And Niles is literally dusting Cece's grave because they're in a graveyard and everyone kind of looks ghoulish, very spooky. And then, uh, uh, Bubby Sophie, played by uh, Fran Drescher, kind of comes up from a grave and she's literally flying around and, you know, is singing like, oh no, if only your nanny hadn't be appearing on that talk show. Now everything is terrible, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was just a spectacle. It was like a theatrical spectacle. And we've never seen anything like that on the show yet. My um, my note was, wow, they got a huge budget this season. <laughs> well so deserved. They were like, hey, why don't we stick a, a a very elaborate musical sequence where Fran is literally flying through the air in this episode? <laughs> they uh, did, and it was great. Then, well, and then we come back to the bedroom in real time. And, you know, Fran's like, wow, that's crazy. And she's like, good thing I don't believe in that old Bubby Sophie nonsense. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to like, you know, change my whole life because of some crazy superstition. And then she's like, I mean, if he'd been visited by Barbara, maybe. (laughs) So his plan did not work. And we actually um, cut to the next day. And Mr. Sheffield is berating Niles for suggesting that he go with the Fiddler inspired dream and not the Barbara one. <laughs> because I guess they had floated several ideas. Yep. And um, Niles says something really, he gives him some very good advice. He's like, he's like, sir, why don't you stop underestimating Miss Fine's intelligence and just tell her how you feel. And then he goes, Oh my God, that's what the thing is. Isn't it? You told her and then you took it back. And then he goes, no, you wouldn't be that stupid. <laughs> 
it was, I thought that was such a funny joke that uh, Niles actually figures it out, but then it's like, no, it can't be that because like Mr. Shep would be the biggest idiot in the world if that's what happened. Um, but so then we basically have the wrap up where Fran comes home. She like walks in and she tells Mr. Sheffield that she's decided to quit the show. You know, she thought about it and, you know, she's just needed in the house. She's needed for the children. And it's just really not the right fit for her in the long run. Yeah. And Mr. Sheffield, he walks out very victorious and he even, he again says the funniest thing to Niles. So mean, he goes, and that's why I have an office and you clean it. <laughs> so mean. Um, but then Niles just goes to Fran. He's like, you got fired. And she's like, yep. And she goes, they replaced me with some retired couple from Florida doing restaurant recommendations. And then I she's like, like take game. a look. And she like turns the TV on. And we see, the thing is, these are Fran Drish's real life parents playing yeah. this couple. <laughs> and they're just, you know, excitedly telling you about how you can get like a meal for $9.99 at some restaurant. And if you bring four people, you get a meal free. And then she goes, can you believe they bumped me for these two? My parents could do better. And again, uh, Niles, like Charles, uh, Daniel Davies sort of has like a knowing smile when she says it. Um, and... Then we end with an, another just like out of left field, but for me, I loved it. A fantastic Dick Van Dyke parody scene. Like that's the wrap up of the episode. We just cut to a to black and white footage. Mr. Sheffield is playing like a Dick Van Dyke and Fran walks into his office, but she's clearly like the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore wife character. And, you know, uh, CC is the uh, blonde woman he worked with and, we, Mr. Sheffield does this like incredible Dick Van Dyke parody and they just kind of like end on a couple jokes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. I really liked his Dick Van Dyke was spot on. It was. I mean, I was so spot impressed. On. Me too. Yeah. Um, and I, I, again, you know, I'm assuming, I'm, a, I'm assuming a lot of people, you know, most people have heard of the Dick Van Dyke show, but it was like. Probably haven't it, watched it. <laughs> yes. It's, you know, very, very famous sitcom from, I mean, would it have been the, 60s or could it even in the 50s uh dick van I dyke looked show, it up. i think was 50s um, um you know and it was just kind of like a, oh no Ameri 61 61 yeah it was just kind of like you know the cream of the crop for american sitcom comedy um at the time yeah um, i mean so this you know it was a it was a it, it was like the prototype of a lot of sitcoms and it was a huge show. I felt the weird reenactment at the end, again, a little out of place. I didn't really get why we got this. I enjoyed it, but I just didn't understand why it was happening. See, it's so funny. Um, I was so on board for so much of this, and I loved this ending. And I, my note was like, oh, I just think it's so impressive that they could pull off homage, parody, and also make it feel tonally right for 1996 for the sure. sitcom in 1996 yeah. I, I i was like where i was uh ready to follow them where they were taking me in this episode i i agree i mean my you know i thought that the episode was great i love this show so much and as we've discussed before i'm so in for like more of this kind of weirdness i don't really get where it comes from or why like even that last little scene that the the reenactment the dick van dyke thing felt like i guess they just like ran out of story for the episode and they were just like oh let's do this real quick yeah, I, like <laughs> I, i'm almost but I like you it, know so. they're getting more you know they're clearly a hit show they're getting more creative freedom and maybe like this is what they want to be doing yeah you know that's maybe. what i'm assuming and they're they, now that they can do more of what they want they're not sticking to the just like 
you know, cookie cutter sitcom formula. Really makes me want to watch their other shows after this mm -hmm, to see mm -hmm. if like more creative freedom was given. And if those shows feel more like the the weirdest parts of this show, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, and that being said, do we want to go to our favorite lines and moments or wait, we so do, segments? We do want to go. Oh my God. You almost oh God. skipped it entirely. Uh-oh. But yes, it's time for segments. Segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now Segments. Um, well, I loved when they defined the thing, like, and they like yes. paused the show to do it. Um, I, I, I liked Val confusing Rosie O'Donnell for, um, Kathy Bates, Kathy Bates in misery. And then Rosie going, <laughs> I want an Oscar for that performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Rosie she just, just goes going with, with it. it is great. <laughs> yep. Um, I thought that Ro- uh, sorry, that Fran's advice on the Rosie show was very funny. Uh, one of them was very risque. One parent wrote in and said, Fran, I don't breastfeed and my husband thinks I should. What should I do? And Fran goes, depends. You got any kids? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, and- I, I thought the, um, at the, towards the end, Niles kind of solves the thing. He's like, you know, unless you, unless you told, uh, you know, Miss Fine that you were in love with her and then you took it back later and then he goes, but no, you'd never be that stupid. <laughs> yeah. And b- basically every beat where Mr. Sheffield was really mean to Niles made me laugh out loud. Out loud, and yeah. My my note was that it's, it was like, it's a very English type of humor mm-hmm. um, that is pulled off very well when you have an English accent saying it. Um, yes. And it, it kind of really gets me to my core comedically. Um, yeah, there's an inherent dryness in it that's just very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, you know, Charles Shaughnessy, Charles Shaughnessy's victim, Dick Van Dyke impersonation. That was great. Um, and I already mentioned this, but I do love how Fran mentioned um, she's she's feeling really guilty and not just like the low level hum of guilt that Jews feel normally. <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 also special mention to Niles is Carl Reiner impression at the end because <laughs> yeah. that was pretty good with the with the bald cap and stuff. I thought that was they were good. they were all great. Yeah, and then oh my god, I think we might this might be one of our um, uh, most dense Yiddish episodes yet. Yeah. Um, we got schlepping, which is to drag something around or go far out of your way. We have yenta, which as we've know, uh, know from previous episodes is a busybody. And it was extra funny because Fran called Niles a yenta. <laughs> we have a brand new one that we have never heard before called kibitz. And mm-hmm. to kibitz means to just stand around talking and making wisecracks. Yeah. Um, and I, I found all. that it, it can also mean to give someone advice and commentary when they are trying to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's so specific. Uh, <laughs> we got schlub. We got Bubby. And then we got Michigas, which, as we know from other episodes, it's craziness or senseless behavior activities. Michigas. Um, nanny trivia. There's a couple things here mm-hmm. of interest. Okay. So Rosie O'Donnell was a fan of the nanny 
And she, that's actually why she requested that the intro to her show be a cartoon. And it's from the same animators who did the nanny. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because the Rosie O'Donnell show is NBC. So I'm, I'm curious how they, you know, did that kind of cross network collab. Or this episode or yeah yeah for this episode yeah well i mean because this was back in the day don't forget where the cross promotion was much more common thing i mean there was only like four networks total so promoting each other wasn't so out of the question as it is now where everything the, the landscape is just so scattered that there's really no room for like why would Disney ever promote anything happening in any other place other than like within their own ecosystem. But like there was, um, it never got off the ground. Uh, but at one point X files was supposed to cross over with a CBS show called picket fences. Um, I mean, so this was not an uncommon and X files was on Fox at the time. So it wasn't entirely uncommon that shows did this. And it's, it's also possible, you know, CBS was looking to, or rather, wherever Rosie was, what NBC was looking to just promote daytime and CBS didn't have anything to lose by promoting someone in daytime. Cause maybe they didn't have anything major in daytime at the mm. time. And then, and then it's like the daytime audience hears about the nanny, the nighttime primetime audience hears about the Rosie show and everybody's happy, you know? Yeah. Well, and then the other bit of trivia, just to, you know, get you a little uh, extra uh, annoyed before bed uh, is so Donald Trump reviewed the uh, scene he would be in and he took issue with a line in it where Fran goes, all you millionaires know each other. Donald Trump apparently came back to the series and said, I'm not a millionaire. I'm a billionaire. You need to change that line. <laughs> and that's why uh, the nanny went with all you zillionaires know each other <laughs> because, you know, Mr. Sheffield's a millionaire. So then it wouldn't make sense to say billionaire. Yes. So uh, that's the origin of the zillionaire line. It's Donald that's Trump's fragile ego. Classic Trump. He also probably wasn't worth a billion dollars at the time. As, <laughs> as we've since learned, he lied for years and continues to lie about how much he's actually worth. So. Um, and then in terms of who you related to, mm. I'm very much a Mr. Sheffield in this episode. I... I very much don't like to admit feelings. I can be passive aggressive. I can have, you know... Uh, it, it will, it'll be like, you know, I'll have to literally have a gun to my head to be like, Hey, you know what? I, I actually like you. So um, I related, I would, I would pull see. all his horrible little antics. Would you really? That's so interesting. I, I don't think I was ever, I, you know, the, the will they, won't they of them doesn't, it, it doesn't appeal to me in real life. I would much rather just be very open with how I feel and be told I don't feel that way or not, you know? Um, well, so I don't know I think, that I would have gone the same path as Mr. Sheffield and taken things back. And he's very worried about a lot of things that I'm, I'm much more, eh, it'll all work out, you know? And who were you? I think I, I think that I, I mean, I guess I would be the Fran, but you but, just have your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, if that's what we're, if that's what we're taking away from this episode is in in that sense but but also also like i i feel like niles being kept out of something like some big secret and not being like let in by like two people very close to you would drive me insane oh for sure me too insane so i very much uh related to 
his frustrations this whole episode. Yeah, I I hate not knowing things. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I know that you had a slightly different take on this. I think this might be like almost my number one episode of the series so far. Wow. It's, it's up there. It's top three. I mean, I yeah. I have a, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't know if it's my top three. I didn't have a ton of like one line. I really like the one liner heavy episodes is what I've come to realize mm-hmm. in watching this. Um, I, I love when my favorite kind of show notes is when I just have a million funny lines that like got me to laugh mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. so than, than, um, than anything else. But, you know, I also enjoy weirdness. And so, as this show starts to introduce like some of the more unexpected elements to it, I really like, you know, I, those are like my, my favorite parts of this, this episode were the weirdest bits, you know? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be curious um, to see what people think of this one overall. Uh, you know, cause again, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm misremembering. I feel like at the time people didn't like that. The nanny started to do this kind of stuff. Let, yeah, I'm, inter- I'm interested. You know, we said we were going to start posing a question to our listeners to you know, right. talk to us on social media. What do you guys like? Is is this season getting like more in line with what makes you love the show or was it getting further away from what you loved about the show? That's, a great, that's a great question. Um, and I think that is an episode. That is an episode. If you liked what you heard, please go leave a review or do something uh, kind on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or one of those places. Five stars is really helpful. Um, and then also, if you want to tell us what you thought, you could find us. If you want to oh, be Mr. my lover. If you want to be. got to get with my friends. <laughs> oh, Mr. Chef Pod, Instagram, Twitter, and that's it. Instagram and Twitter. And also, I guess you can email us at, what did we say it was? Oh, Mr. Sheffield Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to Okay. Us. Have a great week, everybody. Thank that's you great. for listening. And we'll be back. Um, and we will. We'll hear you. We'll hear you next week. We'll you'll hear, hear you. You'll us hear us next, next week. week. Bye. Goodbye. The flashing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>